Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. It's Thursday, April 21st. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. Netflix is scrambling to figure out a way to retain subscribers as they ended the first quarter with 200,000 less people paying for their content. Netflix has long sold itself as a commercial-free space for TV shows and movies, but is now exploring a lower-priced option that is ad-supported. Another area the company hopes to cut back on is rampant account sharing. They estimate that 222 million households pay for the platform and is being shared with another 100 million more homes. Price-sensitive customers are also leaving for competitors with cheaper subscriptions. Joe Flint, media reporter at The Wall Street Journal, joins us for more. Next, let's talk about death, specifically what happens to your body. Cremation is now more popular than a traditional casket burial, with 56% of Americans being cremated. Estimates say that by 2040, 80% of people could go that way. A number of factors are influencing these decisions, such as the significantly cheaper cost and an increasingly secular population. There have also been an increase in green burials, where the body is put into biodegradable containers or even reduced to soil. Karen Heller, national features writer at The Washington Post, joins us for the rise of cremation. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. And because they had this huge growth, they kept calling it a pull forward. Yeah, they thought the numbers would come back down to earth, but they weren't obviously anticipating losing subscribers for the first time in a decade, which they did in the last quarter. Joining us now is Joe Flint, media reporter at The Wall Street Journal. Thanks for joining us, Joe. Thanks for having me. 
Well, let's talk Netflix and what's going on with them right now. Unfortunately, it's not very much good news. They just said that they ended their first quarter with 200,000 fewer subscribers. They've been in the news for other reasons, too. I mean, they've been trying to crack down on password sharing, they think is a big driver of this. They're also uh, toying with a different uh, subscription model, maybe throwing some ads in there so the subscription price is not so expensive. All of this sent their shares tumbling down. And uh, I, I can't imagine that, they, you know, they, they're just probably scrambling to figure out how to stop people from leaving the platform. So, so what do we know about this, Joe? Well, Netflix is, is facing some challenges right now, some growing pains. They were the disruptor, and now they are being disrupted. And there's multiple things happening on that front. One, they're facing more competition than they've had before. Just in the last few years, we've seen the launch of other streaming services from Disney, from Apple, HBO Max. It's a very crowded field, a field Netflix once had to themselves. So that's one thing. They have over 200 million subscribers around the globe, which is incredible. But the growth is starting to slow, particularly here in North America, where they, they lost subscribers. And that may be partially due to a price increase that they put out earlier this year. So there's those factors going on. And so now, as you said, they're trying to find other ways to sustain their subscriber base, perhaps increase revenues, create new revenue streams. And that could include adding a lower priced commercial version of Netflix and cracking down on password sharing, yeah. which has been rampant at Netflix for some time. But they basically had a look the other way policy towards it. They felt ultimately, well, not ideal. It helped promote their shows. It helped get the service out there. And it was a plus. But now as the paying customers are starting to decline, they need to go after the folks getting a free ride and say, time to pony up a few bucks. Right. And I'd be really curious to see, you know, if if possible, right, a survey of people and why they're leaving these things just to find out a more truer cause. But you just mentioned the price increase that Netflix just recently did. Right now we're going through this period of really high inflation. And when you read uh, articles about how to manage inflation, what you can do to get through it and everything, one of the main things they tell people, experts tell people is manage your subscriptions, take out those things that you don't need. So I'm wondering if even some of that advice is kind of working against them. You know, everybody wants to keep their entertainment, but you know, a lot of people still have regular TV and and they can deal with just that. So I'm curious if, uh, you know, something like inflation is just a, a cause for them too. Certainly rising prices for everything from gasoline to a dozen eggs to your streaming services are going to make any consumer want to reassess and see what they're getting their most value for. And I do think that's been a factor with with Netflix. Just the emails I've gotten today from readers who have said, hey, the reason we dropped is their prices went up and I'm not watching it as much anyway. So that's one of the factors for sure. And I thought when they announced the price increase a few months back, I thought it was odd. I just I wasn't quite sure I got the timing given where the economy was and you know, we were still feeling it from the COVID pandemic. I just thought this is an interesting time to be raising prices. And you, clearly there was a negative reaction. Maybe you talked a little bit in the article about the, the highs that they were coming off of, of the pandemic. You know, people were stuck at home looking at streaming services more than ever. Maybe they just got their projections wrong and said they thought people were sticking with them and a price increase would, uh, wouldn't matter. 
Well, interestingly, that was one of the things uh, they said in their letter to investors, basically, that the growth they had during the early stages of COVID, where they really saw their subscriber numbers rocket, basically covered up what were some growing cracks in the foundation of their business. And because they had this huge growth, they kept calling it a pull forward. Yeah, they thought the numbers would come back down to earth, but they weren't obviously anticipating losing subscribers for the first time in a decade, which they did in the last quarter. And now going forward, they've already projected that they're going to lose another 2.5 million customers in the period we're currently in. So yeah, those big numbers uh, may have lulled them into a false sense of security. What about programming and their programming costs? Because I know they're coming out with a lot more original content. You know, they've done well even in the awards circuit. But, you know, that programming is expensive. And when we're talking about competitors, right, a lot of those other competitors and legacy media that's getting into their, you know, making their own streaming services, same thing, pouring billions of dollars into more content. So I think that's one of the things they say is going to they hope will get them out of it. So what do we make of that? Well, certainly Netflix has been spending heavier than anyone else in the industry on programming, on movies and TV shows. This year alone, they're projected to spend $20 billion on content. And that is up from $6 billion just five or six years ago. And part of their big content spend, of course, was they were the new kids on the block. They wanted original programming, and they had to pay these big high fees to convince people to come make shows for them. And their new service, they have their unproven. So to get the shows like a house of cards, they had to make big deals and commit to multiple seasons. And now I think they're reassessing how they're going to make a lot of shows. I don't think you'll see necessarily a huge cutback on their content spending as much as trying to spend that money better, trying to maybe make a few fewer shows, but make them better because there's a high failure rate on Netflix. And Everyone in TV and media has a high failure rate. But when you produce 500 shows and you have that high failure rate, it's a lot more noticeable than when you make 30 shows. And that's one of the challenges. And Netflix, they cancel shows real quick, and there's been grumbling about that too. They don't give shows enough time to prove themselves. But Netflix would argue, we're making so much content, and we need to constantly be getting fresh stuff in front of our subscribers. So that's going to be a challenge for them, how to make better content, how to sustain their flow of content, and yet at the same time, bring down the cost. Joe Flint, media reporter at The Wall Street Journal. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. And like a return to natural burial, which is you know, green burials where people are buried in a shroud or in a biodegradable container like a wicker, a really beautiful big wicker basket, which is sort of going back to how people were buried for centuries. Joining us now is Karen Heller national features writer at the Washington Post. Thanks for joining us, Karen. Oh, thank you. Well, let's talk about death and burials and cremation. It's uh, super interesting what's happening, the shift that's been going on, the rise of cremation. We're right now in 2020, 56% of Americans who died were cremated. So that is the most popular way of uh, 
final disposition. They call it disposition, yeah, right, yeah. As the funeral industry calls it. And, you know, for years, I mean, it just kind of you think of the traditional burial in a casket going into the ground. Who knew that this had started to change? The trend was going on before the pandemic. You know, things kind of got accelerated there a little bit, too. But here we are. So tell us a little bit more about it, Karen. So cremation has been available in the United States, actually, since the late 19th century. But Americans just didn't embrace the practice. And in uh, there was a very big book published in 1963 called The American Way of Death, which was a searing expose of the funeral industry that really argued for cremation. And yet Americans still didn't really want to do this. That year, oddly enough, a lot of people don't know this, the Catholic Church even said that it was okay for Catholics to be cremated. But people just were uncomfortable with and continued to have, you know, uh, these very elaborate caskets to buy burial plots, you know, which are it's all far more expensive or can be than cremation. So it's really accelerated the last few years. Yeah. And that's one of the thoughts that a lot of people start having as they get older. You know, I got to prepare for myself, for my own burial. So I don't leave that burden, the cost of it to the family. Uh, You know, that's a real concern for a lot of people. And, uh, you know, just talking about the trajectory of this, some estimates say by 2040, four out of five Americans are projected to choose cremation. 80% of people will be going that way. Because it's important, let's talk a little bit about the costs and how that works. And and, because there's so many interesting angles to all of this, but let's talk about costs first and and what people see, because it is really high. Right. And I mean, and by the way, the numbers that the funeral industry gave me, I think they're pretty low. I mean, a lot of these funeral homes are in, you're not in L.A., they're in smaller towns where it's a lot less expensive. But yes, a cost is certainly a big driver of this because, you know, when you do a casket burial, you need to find, you need to purchase space in the ground. You need to purchase the caskets. The caskets could be thousands and thousands of dollars. A funeral director is involved. And, you know, there are a lot of other costs like embalming, lining. It's not particularly great for the environment. A lot of people think of this. And it's taking up in, in big cities, it's taking up valuable land. Yeah. So the median price of a funeral with burial and viewing, and obviously this depends, it differs regionally, but it's about $7,848. The cremation itself, just the straight cremation is $2,550. So right there, you're, I mean, that's a big price difference. Right. Although they do. And that's a median cost. Right. Yeah. And they do also do, I guess, a cremation with viewing and funeral and burial with all of that too. That brings you up to about almost $7,000. So it's very comparable to the traditional casket burial. Correct. And a lot of people do do that. The Catholic Church, for example, which, you know, I said does allow for cremation, wants a priest involved and wants the remains buried. So, you know, a smaller casket or container, an urn or whatever into the ground. So there are many people practicing in religion and also Judaism and Muslims do not believe in cremation. So, yes, there's still people who are doing that. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit of what you heard about why people are trending this way, the changes. A lot of what uh, you had been hearing is that people want different options. And people uh, beyond that, people want to create new traditions. You know, they want to do it their own way. They don't want to do this traditional thing. And, and, And then on top of that, also how families have changed. Like they don't want to deal with the days long uh, event of the viewing, the burial, you know, the parties after, you know, they want it done quicker as well. Correct. I mean, so one of the things is we've become a far more secular country. There are far fewer people who are regularly attending a house of worship. And then we're also a very transient country. You know, many families have 
members all over the country. So think about a burial. If let's say you live in L.A., but your children are all over the country, burying somebody in a plot in Los Angeles and people are elsewhere, they may never visit. Whereas if you do cremation and you decide that everybody wants a little bit of the remains and puts them in an urn or a box in the house or buries them in the backyard, that can happen. But I, I know that, you know, like my grandparents are buried in Chicago and I've been there twice and none of their descendants live there anymore. So I think that's a right. consideration. Like, why would I be doing this? And what is the purpose of this? I also think we're pretty much, you know, a lot of us are death phobic. We're, we're all about living longer, healthier, but we don't actually talk a lot in this country about the inevitable, which is that we're going to die. You're, I mean, 100 percent right. You know, people it happens to everybody. Right. But people don't want to talk Correct. about it, don't want to don't want to think about it. And it's scary. You don't want to know what happens right. when you're gone. And and in this sense, doing the cremation kind of shortens that. You don't have to go through the death process for somebody else for that much longer. And when we look at right. other countries, you know, we're talking about how things have it's 56 percent now in the U.S. You know, in other countries like Japan, it's almost a rate of 100 percent. So we are far Correct. behind in, in that. And one of the things that during the pandemic, of course, we had a lot of death and we had to think about it. And a lot of people did have to be cremated, particularly in places like New York, where there were so many bodies. You know, they were stacked up. It was just horrifying. But I think so. In a way, we are thinking more about it. I also thought about this for the article because we're going to have more death because of the baby boom. There's expected the Social Security Administration projects that we're going to have 25 percent more deaths just because of the aging baby boom. And there are a lot of people who don't love what cremation, cremation could be very special and moving and important. You know, you, there are people who do destination scattering of ashes in places that matter to the family and the deceased, right. but they're also now beginning to explore other alternatives that are more environmentally friendly and, and also are very meaningful. And like a return to natural burial, which is you know, green burials where people are buried in a shroud or in a biodegradable container, like a wicker, a really beautiful big wicker basket, which is sort of going back to how people were buried for centuries before there was a funeral industry. Yeah, let's let's explore so, that a little bit more, because sure. know, the traditional casket burial, even depending on how the casket is lined, sometimes it's lined with metal, things like that, that can uh, affect the environment in a certain way. Even the cremation affects it a certain way. And people are kind Correct. of more conscious of of the environment and all this, and they want to go on their own terms. And so there is this kind of rise of green burials and different things. There's uh, at least one, two, three, four different types of alternatives that you mentioned in the article. Correct. Even the making of the caskets is not great for the environment. And then embalming fluids, which are also, by the way, used in cremation. Some people are embalmed before they're cremated. So a natural green burial is really something that has already caught on. There's quite a in out in Los Angeles, there are quite a few places now that have it. And the funeral industry is embracing this. They want to serve the customer and the customer is really speaking up about this. They want more choice for a country that, you know, loves that. So natural green burial is already here. And I think more and more cemeteries are going to do it. And and people really like this idea that I mean they do, you know, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, that your body returns and is safe and, and good way to the environment. The three states have now approved something called uh, natural organic reduction, Oregon, Washington State, and Colorado. And California is trying, by the way. And that is where there's a company out in Washington State called Recompose that basically created this. And it's a 30-day process where the body is put in a container with wood chips and alfalfa, and it 
basically decomposes. Some people call it human composting. And the body becomes soil, very rich, healthy soil. And that soil is then the family can take part of it. It will fill a flatbed truck. It's a lot of soil. And some people take a bit of it to put in their garden or in the woods to scatter somewhere. And then the rest, they're often giving to a forest or they're giving to um, organic gardeners. So that's new. It hasn't been approved, but many states are trying. There is a, a more environmentally kind of positive process with alkaline hydrolysis, which is a little like the matrix. The body, instead of being burned, it basically melts with alkaline hydrolysis. There are a couple of companies that have created these machines. They are not inexpensive. And the funeral industry is a little worried about this because many funeral homes operate on small margins and their big investments are $174,000. But these machines, which um, have been approved in like 24 states, but only available in about 12. A lot of states are resisting this, the state legislature. It has to pass by the state legislature by reframing what what cremation actually means to expand it to being used with water. But this is a much better process for the environment. And the body is reduced to sort of a salty powder, like a baking soda. And this is being done a lot more with pets. And again, it doesn't um, use as it doesn't use um, emit greenhouse gases. It doesn't use fossil fuels. So that's better for the environment. So that's another thing. And then there's something called permission, which is basically freeze drying the body. That's available right now just in Sweden and South Korea. Britain, I think Scotland is on the cusp of approving that. And so the good news is that people are thinking about this. And I think the more we think about choice and what we want, the more perhaps we'll begin to understand our needs and how we want this final event in life to be honored. Karen Heller, National Features Writer at The Washington Post. Thank you very much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it so much. That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Daily Diver is produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive.